One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for joining us for time of worship today. And I am so glad that we have the opportunity to gather uh, wherever we're at in the presence of the Lord through worship. And you know, I'm just reminded of what David said uh, about worship, that I just want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And I'm so glad that in worship, uh, we can lift our eyes off of the circumstances of life, off of the challenges that uh, so often surround us and turn them towards the Lord, off of what is temporal and towards what is eternal. And I hope today that as you are worshiping the Lord, you're sensing the presence of God wherever you're at. And uh, we are so glad that you're joining us today. I want to take just a moment to welcome all of our guests that are joining us today. Uh, Wherever you're at, whether you're here in the Orlando area or beyond, we are thrilled that you are joining us today. And I want to give a shout out to all of our Alpha Online people that are joining us from Alpha Online, our friends in the Philly area. We are so glad that you are with us today. And uh, also all of you that are joining us in house churches today uh, here across the Orlando area. Uh, We are so glad that you are gathering together fellowshipping. Maybe you're finishing some breakfast right now, having a time of worship together, but we are so glad uh, that you are connecting in this season. And uh, also, I want to remind you that we've got an opportunity to gather coming up for our monthly gathering happening in just a couple of weeks on Sunday, December 20th. We are going to be gathering for a Christmas celebration, and uh, we're going to be meeting at the Winter Park Farmers Market, a really cool building in downtown Winter Park, for our Christmas celebration. We'll have a time of worship, a special Christmas message, and then a Christmas after party. And so I wanna encourage all of you, plan to join us on Sunday, December 20th at 10 a.m. at the Winter Park Farmer's Market. And that's gonna be a great, great time. Well, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it with me today and turn to the book of Acts. Uh, We are gonna continue the series that we've been in really for a couple of months through the book of Acts that we are calling The Movement. And throughout this series, we are asking the question, what is church? In this year, when church has looked different than it ever has before, and really so many challenges that we've had to navigate, we want to rediscover what the church should be. And in order to do that, you know, we don't want to just look back at tradition, uh, maybe what we've been used to in the past. We don't want to just look at trends, uh, you know, the the latest thing on Instagram or a celebrity pastor or anything like that. We want to look at the truth of God's word. There's no better place to look than the book of Acts. And uh, so we've been slowly plodding through the book of Acts, taking our time uh, as you would with any great meal, taking our time to digest what God is saying to us. And today we're going to be finishing up Acts chapter 4. And uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, just to catch you all up on what has been happening, uh, as the Holy Spirit's been poured out, uh, Peter and John have gone into the temple. They have prayed for a layman. He was healed in Acts chapter 4, goes into the temple celebrating. Uh, and they're, not everybody was celebrating along with him. The religious people, they're not very good at celebrating. And so they actually tell Peter and John, no more preaching in the name of Jesus. Cut that Jesus stuff out. And, uh, you know, it's it's true in our culture today. Oftentimes you can talk about anything 
accept Jesus. But they said, you know, we can't stop. Uh, we, we can't help but speak what we've seen and heard. And so uh, rather than going out and, uh, you know, getting upset, they actually went into prayer. They gathered with the other believers. The Bible says they lifted up their voice to heaven and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and once again preached the word of God with boldness. And so we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. The Bible says this, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did any say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need. I want to speak to you today on the thought of becoming a compelling community. I don't know what you think about when you think about church community. Um, if you think about maybe just getting together every week, maybe every few weeks when you have the time, uh, maybe just having a cup of coffee, you know, sitting, hearing the word together. And certainly all of those things are good, but the picture that we see of community in the Bible is actually much more compelling than that. Here we see this picture where they are sharing together. They are meeting one another's needs. They're even selling their possessions just to give and meet the needs of others. And I don't know about you, but that is a compelling community to me, the type of community that when you have a problem, you don't have to go um, you know, to somebody on Facebook. You don't have to go just to um, you know, the, even the government, but you can go to the church. And that's the community that we see in this passage in Acts chapter 4. And maybe you hear that and you think, wow, Justin, that is radical. Selling their stuff, giving to people in need, that, that is radical. I, I don't know if I can get on board with that. Well, I want you to notice that it all flows out of this phrase, that they were all of one heart and one soul. One heart. The original word for heart there is cardia. It's where we get the word uh, cardiologist. That's the, the uh, science or the medicine that treats the heart or a cardio workout. It's a workout that works out your heart. And uh, they were all of one cardia. They were all of one heart. In other words, they had the same desires. They, they wanted the same things. And then it says they were all of one soul. That word is the word psyche, where we get psychology or the study of the mind and the emotions. In other words, they, they were so in unity together that they had the same desires and they were thinking the same way. They had the same soul or the same mind. Now, this wasn't the result of some incredible team building exercise where they got together and, you know, went on some retreat and did a ropes course or, you know, fell back and caught one another just to build this uh, oneness. It was actually something far deeper than that, because I want to remind you, this followed the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there's really two evidences that uh, we will always see with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. One is a a boldness in proclaiming the word of God, as we see in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And the other is a commitment to community and compelling community. 
And that's what happened in this passage in Acts chapter four, the Holy Spirit is poured out and they're so filled with love, their hearts become transformed and they, they, they just want to share with one another. Some people read this, they had all things in common. They were selling stuff and giving to people in need and they read that and think, well, is this some sort of you know, uh, primitive uh, communism? Is this some sort of you know, apostolic communist community or something like that? And I want you to know it's actually, uh, nothing could be further from the truth for a number of reasons. This was not communism uh, in any form for a number of reasons. One is it wasn't um, mandated, it wasn't required that anybody sell anything or anybody have to give anything. Everybody was wanting to do it. It's what the Bible calls a free will offering. They were moved in their hearts. Nobody was requiring them to do it. The second thing uh, that we see is that uh, the Bible still recognized private property. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, uh, we'll see the story of Ananias and Sapphira really contrasted with this spirit of generosity. But Ananias and Sapphira sell their property and they bring a portion of the proceeds and pretend like it's the whole amount. And Peter actually corrects them and says, hey, when that was in your possession, didn't wasn't it still your own? In other words, he's saying, uh, you don't have to give this. You, this is your property. And so this is different than communism where everybody kind of puts everything in the common pot and, um, you know, everybody just shares out of the same pot. That, that wasn't the case here. There was still private property in the church. Um, and the third reason is we see in the New Testament, the New Testament values work. Uh, it doesn't remove the motivation for work. In fact, later, um, the Apostle Paul will say, he who doesn't work doesn't eat. And so it wasn't just, you know, you just, everybody get a handout. It wasn't any form of communism. It was people's hearts that were transformed because they were filled with the love of God. It, it was first about the Holy Spirit moving on their hearts, filling them with the love of God so that they became loving to one another. And that's really what was happening in this passage. In fact, it wasn't a, an economic arrangement. It was, it was first a heart condition. They were loving towards one another. And because they were loving, because their hearts were towards one another, they just wanted to begin to share everything they had. And you know, the fact is that resources always follow relationship. When you have relationship with someone, you share your life and everything you have really follows. You know, when I met my wife, when we began dating and began a relationship, I didn't say, okay, how much is this going to cost me? How cheap can I get into this relationship for? I went, no, I want to give everything I have. Why? Because she has my heart. And what you value, you invest in. And here is the Holy Spirit's poured out on this little Jesus community as they are growing, they are not only reaching out, but they're also reaching in, loving and caring for one another. And, you know, oftentimes when it comes to relationships, we often don't value relationships until they're gone. And, you know, in this season, as we've been separated, and even as a church, as we've not been able to have the normal rhythms and the normal opportunities for connection that we've had, I don't know about you, but I'm so aware of the value that each and every one of you bring to our community. In fact, uh, just have a little exercise with me right now. If you're in a house church gathering, why don't you just look around 
the room. I, I know maybe it's awkward. Look at everybody. Make a, a little momentary eye contact. I know it's strange. Or, or maybe if you're just watching at home by yourself, just call to mind some people in our church, some people that are in this wonderful church community that is certainly not perfect, but really is a manifestation of God's love in the lives of a group of people. And when I think about the people in our church, I don't know about you, but I just can't help but recognize the value that each person brings to our church community. You know, I think about people like uh, Jacob and Yossi Patchen. Jacob and Yossi serve so faithfully and sacrificially in ways that other people may never see. Oftentimes setting up for church events, hosting house church in their home, brewing coffee, baking bread. They just serve in incredible ways. I think about people like Mark Thorsell, one of the funniest people I know, wittiest people I know that in spite of the challenges he faces, every time I see Mark, he'll meet me with some funny quip, some little joke, and such an encouragement. He just brings joy into my life. I value him. I think about people like Jason Griffin. You know, if you're ever in trouble, Jason is the kind of guy you need to call, not just because he, he's the guy that uh, that's what he does for his job as an EMT, but he just loves to help people. He, he's often not in the limelight. He's behind the scenes. But whenever there's a need, Jason is there because he recognizes God's goodness towards him. And so he responds in love for others. I think about people like Coralie. And uh, Coralie is one of the most culturally creative people I know. I just feel cooler because I have Coralie in my life and in our church. Um, she's not only an assistant curator at the Orlando Museum of Art, but she's an incredible mom, so sincere, so loving. And, and she brings a, a richness of sensitivity into our community. And I just want to, the reality is I could go on and on. I could name every single person. I could even name Ben Shepler, who's standing behind the camera right now, and, and recognize the value that every person brings into our community. And, you know, what you value, you invest in. And so as we read this story in the book of Acts, this wasn't some sort of mandated, oh, all right, everybody, cough it up. You're in community now. No, the love of God was poured into their hearts. And as a result, they just loved each other and they valued each other. And because they valued each other, they wanted to invest in each other. And as we continue reading in verse 36, the Bible reveals one of the, really one of the most uh, undervalued uh, characters in the New Testament or, or often overlooked characters in the New Testament um, in verse 36, it says this, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And, and I want to just focus uh, the rest of this message on this guy named Barnabas. Actually, not named Barnabas, just nicknamed Barnabas. His name was actually Joseph. But he was such an encourager. He was such a, uh, a believer in people that his nickname became the son of encouragement. Barnabas means the son of encouragement. And he is, in my opinion, one of the unsung heroes of the New Testament, of the book of Acts. You know, oftentimes when we think about the book of Acts, we think about the apostles, Peter, 
Peter was, uh, Peter and Paul, Peter was uh, really the first half of the book of Acts focuses on Peter. He was bold. He was a powerful preacher. Then we think about Paul, who had formerly been Saul. The second half of the book of Acts focuses on Paul. He was this man who was willing to pioneer in uncharted territory, taking the gospel to the Gentiles. So, so Peter and Paul kind of are in the spotlight of the book of Acts, but behind the scenes, there's this man named Barnabas, this man that really is the glue for the early church because he valued people. He, he brought the community together through this gift of encouragement and valuing other people. He, he invested into the community. And here we see he invested financially, selling land, bringing it, and, and investing into this little growing church community. You know, oftentimes um, when we think about community, we want community. We want the benefits of community. When we're in trouble, we want somebody to call. When we need something, we want somebody there. When we're sick, we want somebody to pray for us. But do we take the time like Barnabas to invest in community? Because you'll never have the value of community without investing into community. And, and I just want to say, to you today. Be a Barnabas. Let's be people that are like Barnabas, that recognize the value in one another. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is moved on our hearts and we become loving to each other. Invest in community at a time when other people are pulling back from community, at a time when people are disconnecting and dividing in our world. I believe there's never been a better time to invest into community, invest into what has the greatest value in our lives, and that is people. And so I want to share with you a few ways that I believe every one of us need to invest that, that Barnabas modeled for us. And the first is this, that we need to invest our words. Invest your words into people. What do I mean by that? Well, Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. In other words, everywhere he went, he was just speaking encouragement into people. He wasn't just looking at their problems. He was seeing their potential. He wasn't just seeing who they currently were and who they had been in the past. He's, he's seeing what they could be. And he is investing into that potential. I mean, he is to people what a real estate developer would be to a piece of property. When other people look at it and just see, you know, bare land, he, they would look at it and see the, the value in that, what could be and should be. And that's what Barnabas was doing to people everywhere he went. He was speaking encouragement over people. I, I don't know about you, but I've met some people that maybe would be called the son of discouragement. Have you ever met somebody like that? That when they walk into the room, it's just kind of discouraging. They, they just seem to find all of the problems. Barnabas was not that way. He, he found all the potential. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't at times have difficult conversations or correction conversations, discipling conversations. But if we want to build a compelling community, we need to invest our words in encouraging one another. You know, we need to speak to the potential that each person has. I don't know about you, but I've had people in my life that long before I ever saw any potential, they spoke to the potential. They said, Justin, I see this in you. And those things begin to come to the surface. Why? Because they're adding value with their words. I want to encourage you at this time where it's so easy to tear people down. 
It's so easy to devalue people. I want to encourage you, add value with your words. Don't just speak the problems. Speak the potential that there is in people. I, I want to plead with you as a pastor in, in this season where it's so easy to look at the relational problems. Don't let your words create schisms and divisions. Don't be what I call a, a keyboard cowboy that sits behind the keyboard and just fires off your own thoughts that maybe makes you feel pretty good afterwards, but ultimately hurts one another. Don't, don't use your words, whether it's verbally or you know, in, in text or in post, to post things that would tear down your brother or sister. We are family in Christ. And so I want to plead with you, invest in one another. Don't, don't devalue each other with our words. We all have problems. It doesn't take faith to see problems. It takes faith to see the potential in one another, to speak to what could be and should be, but is not yet with our families, with our children. We need to invest our words. We need to speak. And I've not always been perfect in that. I'll be the first to admit. But I believe if we want that beautiful, compelling community in our homes, our church, and our world around us, let's be people that invest through our words into one another. Paul, uh, Barnabas did this. Uh, he, he did this for the Apostle Paul long before he was the Apostle Paul. When other people didn't believe in Paul, Barnabas believed in Paul. When other people weren't sure if he was really a changed man, they looked at him and said, that's the, that's the church killer. But Barnabas looked at him and said, no, he, he's a man of God. He, he's called by God. There's a gift in him. Barnabas did that for John Mark as well. Even later when Paul didn't show John Mark the same grace that he had been shown, Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement about whether or not to take John Mark on a missions trip. John Mark had deserted them last time. And Paul said, you know what? I, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy. The mission's too important. But Barnabas said, no, he, he's not a deserter. He's valuable. We need him. And later in his life, Paul recognized the same thing, the value in John Mark that Barnabas had seen the whole time. Barnabas in Acts 15 values us as the Gentiles. There was the disagreement in the church. Could the Gentiles come in? Were they a part of God's community or were they outsiders and Barnabas, if you read Acts 15, stands up and he says, you know, they've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. They're not outsiders. They're God's people. They're God's family. I don't see just the problems of even immorality and sin, but I see the promise of God to the Gentiles. He's investing his words into them. We have the power to add value or to devalue people through our words. So we need to be like Barnabas, invest your words into people. The second thing I want you to see is that we need to invest our gifts. Invest our gifts into one another, into the, the church community where God has placed us. And Barnabas is a great example of that. In fact, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 11, verse 23, that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Barnabas had a gift of faith. The reason he was so encouraging is because he'd received this spiritual gift of faith that everywhere he went, he just seemed to impart faith to other people. When Barnabas went into a church, uh, in the past, they felt like, you know, they were just struggling to make it through. But when Barnabas came, he lifted their heads. They started to feel like, man, we can do anything. Why? Because there was faith imparted to them through the gift that Barnabas had. And every single one of us 
possesses a gift. The Bible says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each one has received a gift. Each person has received a gift. Each one of you, if you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You have gifts. Every one of us have gifts. Minister it, the Bible goes on to say. Minister it to one another. Give your gifts to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The idea is God has invested into you. Now you are to invest those gifts into one another. When you use your gifts, you add value to the community. You add value to this church community. You know, each one of us have different gifts. Even right now, there are as I mentioned before, Ben is helping to record this message. Other people are hosting house church. Other people are preparing hospitality. Every one of us have a different gift. Some of you have the gift of administration that you just kill it at putting a plan together. Others of you have the gift of leadership that you can rally people towards an objective and towards a vision. Others have the gift of mercy that when someone is need, man, you, you someone's in need, you feel it deeply. It's the gift of mercy. And we need all of those gifts. If we want to be a compelling community, we need to be like Barnabas. We need to invest our gifts. Don't sit on the sideline, even in this season. Let's not, as a church, say, we're just going to wait until COVID passes to invest our gifts. I love what Warren Buffett said about investing, that when others zig, you zag. If you want to make a profit, when everybody else pulls out, you get in. And here at this moment, many people are pulling back. And I want to encourage you, don't pull out invest in, use your gift fully, because I believe God's given us an opportunity at this moment. So we need to invest with our words. We need to invest our gifts. The third thing I want you to see that Barnabas models for us is that we need to invest our time. We need to invest our time. The Bible goes on to say in Acts chapter 11 of Barnabas that um, he went to Antioch in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, that he says that Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. He goes and gets Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. Paul and Barnabas together for a whole year are there in Antioch teaching the church. Paul later goes on to say that they were doing it on their own dime. There wasn't yet a church there that could support them as pastors and teachers of the word. And so they did it on their own dime. They were using their own time to invest. And if you know the story of that church in Antioch, it goes on to become one of the most beautiful mission-sending community in the New Testament. In fact, in all of Scripture. It's the first place where where. Followers of Jesus are called Christians. But it all happened because Barnabas was willing to invest his time when no one could even pay him for it. And I want to encourage you, you know, when it comes to investing our time and and investing into a compelling community, I want to give you one of the greatest keys to building a compelling community. Are you ready for this? If you're taking notes, write these three words down. Here it is. The key to developing community, just show up. Just show up. Nike says just do it. But I believe if we want community, we need to just show up. I know we're in a weird season. I know that it's easy to become isolated. But I want to tell you, if you value community, if you value relationships, just show up. Just show up. 
for house church. Just show up for one another when a person's in need, when your house church family needs somebody to watch their kids or their car breaks down. Just show up. Invest into that relationship. Invest your time. When we have gatherings, monthly gatherings right now and more in the future, when we have those opportunities, just show up. Invest your time. Everybody can do it. And I know you may say, well, I don't have time. But here's what I've found is that when I invest my time, I experience what the Bible calls my time being redeemed. You know, you can't make more time, but you can add time to the val- add value to the time you have by investing your time in what matters most, and that's in relationships. And so I want to encourage you, be like Barnabas. Invest your time in other people. The fourth thing I want you to see, not only do we invest our words, not only do we invest our gifts, but we need to, and, and not only do we invest our time, but the fourth thing I want you to see is that we need to invest our resources. We need to invest the financial resources that God has entrusted to us. Just as I said earlier, when I started my family, started a relationship with Jennifer and having kids in the future, you know, I never once said, how much is this going to cost me? I've never said to one of my kids, you're just too expensive. Now they are, they are expensive and getting more expensive. But not once have I said, man, I've got to get rid of you. You cost me too much. This is not a good financial decision. Why? Because I value them. They're they're the greatest treasure that I have here on earth is relationships. And when you value relationships, when you value community, you know, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. There is a direct connection between what you value and where you put your resources. The Bible says of Barnabas that he sold his land and he went and he laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was that investment of that land that really became the seed fund for not only caring for that community, but for the gospel to go around the the world. And and you may think, well, Barnabas, that's extravagant. That's kind of radical. You're, you're, you know, selling your family land and giving it to the church. That's kind of extreme. No, that's not extreme. It's not foolish. You, You see, he understood that it was the best place to invest it. He could have kept that land and maybe they would have had some nice vacations, family vacations there in Cyprus. But he understood the greatest investment, the greatest return on his investment of that money would be to invest it into the kingdom of God. And now billions of people around the world are followers of Jesus. And it's no exaggeration to say that it can be directly traced back to this community, to this gift, to this investment that is bearing fruit and paying dividends in the lives of billions of people around the world. As a missionary once said, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. When you give financially to the kingdom of God, to the, the, the work of God in the church, both to support local ministry, to meet the needs of others, and to expand the the mission of God to spread the gospel around the world, you are making an eternal investment. I want to say thank you to each of you for the investment that you have made financially in this season, in your tithes and offerings and in supporting the ministry of this church. We're seeing every week God do amazing things, not only with the advancement of the gospel and not only the opportunity that we're seeing for the gospel to go forth, but also in caring for people. 
You see, every month we've been able to help meet the needs of people in our community, paying electrical bills for people, uh, paying rent and mortgage, paying medical bills, meeting needs, caring for one another. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of community that I want to be a part of. You know, next year we're going to talk to you about a building fund that we are going to be launching as a church towards the efforts of buying a building of our own. And the reason that we're doing that is not because God needs a building. It's not because church is a building, but because people need a building. People need a place to gather. Just like a family needs a home, a church needs a home. Not to limit what we're doing, but to invest in more and more people. Even as we come to the close of this year, maybe God's stirring your heart. Maybe God's stirring your heart to invest financially into our benevolence ministry, into a building fund, even as we are preparing to launch that formally. But I just want to say again, thank you to all of you for the way you've invested in this community, investing your words of encouragement, investing your gifts and your your talents in this season, investing your time, investing your finances and your resources. And I believe that God is turning us into a compelling community. I want to ask you, if you would, just to close your eyes if you, if you feel like you want to, and just to pray with me. I want to pray for you as we prepare to close. Father, I pray that you would help us, God, to be a compelling community. Lord, I pray that we would be people that would not just be consumed with our own needs, but Father, we would lift our eyes onto one another, God, as you have done for every single one of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see God, that we can invest in community because you have invested in us. Thank you, Lord, for the good news of the gospel, that you have bankrupted heaven to invest the riches of your son into our lives. Father, you filled us with peace, joy, life. And Father, we pray that that would overflow into the lives of one another. Help us to be people that would see the potential, God, in one another, in the community, and Father, in those that even don't know you. Lord, we thank you for that. As we invest in what matters most, God, we will become in Jesus' name. And I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to encourage you just to take some time to think and meditate, maybe to discuss if you're in house church today, where God's calling you to invest. Which one of those opportunities do you see before you today to invest in a compelling community? We look forward to seeing you real soon. God bless you.